0: God before us, God beside us, God behind us, God above us, He also now between us, a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Leave it to the choir. Yes. Um, this is an evolving expression, isn't it? In many ways. We are getting to my favorite time of the year, which is the Peanut Festival in Dothan. I love it with all of my heart. I go a few times while it's there. I usually try to go eat lunch there one day because I love corn dogs. I understand that they now have something where they will take a frozen stick of butter and dip it in batter and then fry it. And that sounds like heaven. I mean, it sounds delicious to me. So I'm going to try it. I'll take a selfie of that for all of you. Um, And so when you're at the fair or anything like that, usually your children are in tow, or at least mine have been. They may be aging out of that since they're embarrassed now to go anywhere with me. But what I will often do, you know, when you're there and you get them something that they want, is you, um, you give it to them and you kind of hold on to it, right? Because thank you is not intuitive or an automatic reaction to a four-year-old or a five-year-old or a ten-year-old. Um, so I'll kind of hold on to it until they then think for a minute and then they say, oh, yeah, thank you. And then you kind of let go of it. So in a way, there's a stage where... Thank you is a learned behavior. You know, it's kind of something you're prompted to do. And as you get older, it becomes rote. You get something, thank you, and then eventually it becomes, oh, yeah, thank you. I mean, it becomes something you do almost without even thinking about it. There's no real heartfelt thanks there. It's just kind of something you think you should do, so you do it. You get a gift. You write a little note, um, or at least we're trying to make our children do that. Um, And so then you have that kind of stage of thanksgiving. And then you reach a point in life where you almost feel entitled um, to whatever the service is that somebody's doing for you. We get that around our house a lot, is that um, I will do something and I'll think, well, nobody said thank you. Or more often than not, Mary does something And none of the rest of the ingrates in the house, including yours truly, says a word about it, right? Um, So we kind of think that we're somehow entitled to whatever it is that um, the children are doing or she is doing or I am doing. It goes across the board, frankly. We're all guilty of it. So if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I never get my thanks, well, don't disabuse you you of the idea that you too are not saying thanks. Um, and there's the, then there's the expectation that uh, we should have these things done for us. And in many ways, it is the familiarity um, that oftentimes we take it all for granted. I remember once having someone come home with me for the weekend in college, and we were at dinner, and they just went on and on about my mother's cooking and how wonderful this was, and thank you so much, and oh my goodness. And I was just sitting there thinking... Well, that's a fine how-do-you-do, isn't it? Making me look pretty bad here, since I haven't said a word about my mother's cooking or said thank you yet. So it often takes another, someone from the outside, a stranger, to remind us of the blessings that are all around, to remind us of the thanksgiving that should be in our hearts. We are blinded by familiarity, and it is their presence and their thank you that opens us to gratitude. And in many ways, I think that is one of the things that Jesus is showing us in today's gospel lesson. Um, Where are we in today's gospel? We are between Samaria and Galilee. We're kind of on the outskirts of of what was kind of normal for them and for their people. We have um, nine Jews and one Samaritan who have leprosy, right? So Samaritans, let's just kind of by way of remembrance remember that they were outsiders. They were considered unclean by regular Jews. They were considered pariahs. They were not allowed to play with the others, so to speak. They didn't get to play in all the reindeer games of the Jews. They were left out because they had some nuances in their beliefs. Um, We kind of look at that as silly. You know, we think, well, there are nuances between our beliefs and the Baptists across town and the Presbyterians and the Roman Catholics, but yet we kind of all can kind of come together, right, at different times of the year or in different ways, but not so in the ancient world. And so not only did you have this one outsider that was with this group, but they also had leprosy, which was a disease that made them outsiders automatically, They certainly wouldn't have been allowed in the temple. They were considered unclean. They were all pariahs. So why not let a Samaritan, another unclean person, come into our midst? Because we're already unclean, right? Any port in a storm. And so you had this band of unclean outsiders approach Jesus and his followers. And I'm sure they were thinking, oh, no. I'm not saying Jesus was thinking this, but I know the others were. Here comes a band of folks with leprosy. I hope they don't come too much closer. And then they call out to Jesus from a distance, probably having heard of his healing power, having heard of his love, having heard of the transformation that comes through Jesus, have mercy on us. When Jesus tells them to go and present themselves to the priest at the temple and that they would be made clean. See, only a priest was able to declare someone clean. So Jesus symbolically is taking that role from the priest. Right? I'm making you clean. And then they go on their way to the priest, and something happens along the way, and they realize that they are clean. They've been healed, transformed. And nine of them go on to the, to the priest at the temple. Or well, We don't even know that they went there. They probably said, oh, I'm clean now. Enough of that. I'm going on to the next thing, Right? And yet one of them stopped and went back to Jesus to say thank you. And he was the Samaritan, the outsider, the one who who was already considered by most Jews to be unclean and a pariah. He's the one that stopped and went back. And so Jesus showed his audience what thankfulness and gratitude looks like in the face of God's blessing, in the face of God's wholeness, in the face of God's healing, Jesus said, well, all of you were made clean. Is there only one of you that came back? And then he has this statement that I think is more about it than anything else. Because the man comes and he bows down before Jesus in saying thanks. He says, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And that statement is the kicker for me because it's the key to more than just that this is about gratitude or thanksgiving in the face of healing. It is certainly about that. But it is also through an outsider that Jesus is showing us that the foundation of life with God, the foundation of everything, is gratitude and thanksgiving. A grateful heart cannot be a home for despair or bitterness. It is the beginning of transformation. It is the beginning of healing. If we truly experience the living God, we do not simply go on with life as usual in the face of healing, in the face of transformation, in the face of a love that reaches from beyond time to us. We don't just say, oh yeah, yeah, thanks on our way to the next big thing. We stop and we offer what we have, like that Samaritan did. He didn't have anything. And yet he offered the one thing he did have, which was thanksgiving and gratitude. He was already healed. He didn't even have to go back, and yet he did. Our souls can be far sicker than our bodies. And yet so many of us go about a life of expectation and do nothing to heal that breach. It all looks great on the outside, but on the inside we are sick. And we think as long as no one knows, it will be just fine and we can move on to the next thing. And we move on and on and we go about life wanting desiring, going on to the next thing, and then we wonder why there is this hole in our midst, this hole that is there that cannot be filled. Why we don't have this sense of having been gifted that transforms itself into action. Jacques Lacan, and we're going to get a little bit heavy here. Jacques Lacan, who is a um, psychotherapist, actually. He's also kind of a philosopher. He called it abjet A, which he said that is that one thing in your life that you want more than anything. Maybe it was a relationship. Gosh, she is the most beautiful thing in the world. If I could just have her, I would trade everything in life. It's the one thing you'd burn everything else down for. A relationship, a job, a million dollars, whatever it is what he says is that once you get it, you have nothing but a fossil. Because once you get it, you think it is simply a memory of the desire and the want and the striving. It's why wherever you go, you always are going on to the next thing. You know, for the lepers, it was the next, okay, I'm healed now, what is the next thing? What is the next thing? What is the next thing? It is the striving that we all have that leaves us in a constant state of want. Right? It's the grass is always greener syndrome. It's the people in our reading from Jeremiah who are thinking, well, gosh, if we could just get there, we'll be happy. If we could just get out of exile, it'll all be okay. If we could just get there, everything will be good. And God said, bloom where you're planted. Be thankful for what I've given you. And strive to be happy in the midst of this place even though it's not where you want to be. Be thankful and strive to be a part of what it is that you have. And that's what Jesus is showing us I think in today's gospel. The key to true happiness is to stop where you are not be thinking about where you're going. Not be thinking about the next Abjet A. And to take what you have and to say thank you. Yeah, boy, it's, it might not be what I always dreamed of. And frankly, in life, what is? But it's what I've been blessed with. It's what I've got. And I thank you. And that thank you will lead to another thank you. And that gratitude will ultimately transform your life. It will transform the world around you. And it will stop that empty striving. Not that you won't still want. And not that you still won't strive. But it will transform the life where you are. And you will stop doing this number and start embracing the world around you. Now, I hate to do this, but this is one of my favorite stories. So I'm going to get a little chicken soup for the soul on y'all. All right? We're going to do that one. This is, I love it. This. This, this, this makes me tear up every time I hear it. And it's a true story about a young boy named Tony who was born blind. And they heard about a procedure that they would do at Massachusetts General Hospital that would transform his sight, that could give him his sight back, and if not full sight, at least partial sight. And so they went there. And Tony in tow took his whoobie, his teddy bear, with him. And you've all seen it. I have teenagers now, and I still see their It doesn't go everywhere with them anymore, but it sure sits in a prominent spot in their room. And it went everywhere with him at Massachusetts General Hospital. He took it into the x-ray room. He took it into consultations. And when it came time for surgery, he demanded that that teddy bear, worn as it was, missing an eye, hardened in certain places, that it went with him into that surgery. And when he came out of the surgery, the doctor that performed the surgery was especially kind to him and would visit him every day and would encourage him in a way that wasn't required for a physician. And when Tony left the hospital, he gave the doctor his bear. And the doctor tried to give it back to him because he knew what it meant to him, right? I don't, I, you really don't have to do that. But Tony insisted and eventually he said, this is the blessing that I have to receive. And so he took it from him. And it sat on the 10th floor of Massachusetts General for years. And eventually they put it in a glass case with the following note from the doctor sitting at its feet. The note read, This is the highest fee I have ever received for professional services rendered. May we have the power in large and small ways, each and every way, to recognize God's blessing. Not the blessing that's out there when we do this or that, when we get this abjet A or that one, but the blessing that is right around us, that is in our midst the blessing, and the salvation, and with grateful hearts say thank you. Amen.